0: Hello and welcome again to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast. This is your host, John Manos, President of the Bellarmine Forum. If you have been wondering how some of these new churches in America, maybe why the last miracle at Fatima was a miracle of the sun, and where we got all these problems today, and maybe a quick, easy way to separate the sheep from the goats today, then you want to listen today. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. Dear listeners, I'm uh, pretty happy. I'm sad because we should be doing this episode weekly. Uh, But human, uh, you know, life gets in the way, air conditioning's gone out, a little bit of sickness here and there, but we're here now. This episode's a little bit different than the earlier three. In all the earlier three, there were different guests. We had, I was pleased with just normal, somebody said it, they said, this is just how normal people talk about the true faith. This episode is you and me. I want to sit down and talk to you for a few minutes. Well, wow, it's going to be a little bit longer than a few minutes. I mean, come on, I I like to talk. You and me, let's let's talk about how things are today. I'm holding in my hand a relic of Saint Pius X. I ask for his intercession in, in addition to our ladies, because we got some some pretty uh interesting things afoot in the church these days. And Pius X. He had a lot to say about how we should deal with these things. I'm gonna. Give you a quote from him. Says Pius X liberal Catholics are wolves in sheep's clothing. You will be called clerical, retrograde, intolerant, but pay no heed to the derision and mockery of the wicked. Have courage. You must never yield, nor is there any need to yield. You must go into the attack wholeheartedly, not in secret, but in public, not behind barred doors, but in the open in the view of all. I think you read things on the Bellarmine Forum because you believe this already. But we need Pius X's help. He was concerned with the modernists that were already in the church at his time and that sought to change the church from within, to consume it like termites. So St. Pius X, pray for us. I'm, I'm holding the relic while we're talking. You may have seen this past week, I put a, a post up about a new church that's being built in Las Vegas. It got me thinking a little bit about another post I had recently where I mentioned Hugo Roner, Carl Rahner's brother. Hugo was into the solar cults. Now, Darren who is a fan who's commented on my Fatima posts for years now has been waiting for me to finish a series on Fatima. Darren, I hope you're listening to this because this is a piece of what we're going to discuss today is a piece of all this. If you ever wondered, like, why did our lady choose the sun? I mean, that miracle that happened and, and we know if you read the accounts on Fatima, there was Masonic involvement. Masons were there. Masons tried to change the stories And we're going to talk for a moment about how some of that's even becoming active again today. Why today, at the 100th anniversary, would people be trying to change the story of Fatima? But Darren, here's the short and long of it. I think Hugo Rahner and the things I mentioned recently, he studied the solar cults. Now these are esoteric, uh, I like to call them the anti-church because they're not followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are people in ancient times that we'd call pagans that worship the sun. The Egyptians, uh, we saw it in the Aztecs. The Aztecs would do human sacrifice and rip the hearts out of a living person and offer the beating heart to the sun in hopes that it would uh, continue to go around daily. Those same Aztecs worshipped a winged sun god, uh, codol or something like that. I don't say his name right. Who, when the missionaries had come, their God had took taken this form of a blonde-haired man and told them he would be leaving for a while. And their accounts of it is that he then took the form of a winged serpent, went up in the air, and flew off to the east. They worshipped the sun. And so these attacks within the church and on the church by the Masons that we in episode two when we were talking with Fire Anthony, he talked about the things that uh, St. Maximilian Colby had observed in in Rome where they were marching singing hymns that Lucifer would reign. I think at the end of this Our, Our Lady gave enough clues and some of those I discussed in an earlier post on Fatima. Our Lady gave enough clues in the errors of russia that the uh, that the errors of russia would spread throughout the world those errors number of posts i'll put them in the show notes with links to some of these when we talk about the errors of russia sure we are talking about atheistic communism and something that's interesting about that fulton sheen when he gave a uh, uh, address on Marxist activities to Congress. So this is part of the official record of of, of of our country, public record. Fulton Jean's analysis of Marxist atheism was that it attempted to limit liberty, the individual's liberty in two ways, externally and internally. Now it sought to limit people externally by limiting how they move, what they do, and all of those things. I thought it was interesting, however, that he... Fulton Sheen had said that it sought to limit internal liberty as well, meaning controlling thoughts or limiting the way people see things or attempting to cause people to think a certain way as an attempt to control them. I mean, it's, you know, it's like no different than a prison. A prison controls the prisoner because it, it limits their freedom. In the same way, Fulton Sheen saw that the goals of the communists, the Marxist atheists, was to limit the way we think that's not entirely new. Hugo Rahner, looking into these solar cults that were around at the time of our Lord and in the early church saw the same behavior from them. And I think part of that is because not everybody's going to do what they want. And so the way they impose order on the society around them is to limit everybody's freedom around them, except for those who want to keep this lie. I mean, the sun is not a God. Uh, When I say that though, the son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ is God. When I'm talking about the sun, S-U-N, the sun, S-U-N, is not a God, but these cults, these pagans would worship it as one. I think that's why our lady had the miracle of the sun. It was her message to them. I'm something bigger than the sun, S-U-N. And I am here to tell you about God the real God, the living God, who is a person. I promised at the front of the episode that we give you, I'm going to throw something out here, I, and I hope this is something we can discuss. We in comments or in future episodes, maybe with some of our regular guests. I know I brought this up with uh, John DeJack the other day, and he was like, yeah, no, that's interesting. So he and I will probably talk about this at some point too, but I think when you look at, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who wrote the, the spiritual exercises of the church, who Father Hardin told us, 30, well, it was 36 of the last 39 popes have told us, this is the perfect expression of Western spirituality. You begin right at the beginning of those with the principle and foundation in the first week, and you learn there's only two standards. There's that of our Lord, truth, and there's that of the, of the devil. Lucifer, who is, our Lord tells us, the father of lies. We know those two standards, uh, even in a past post that I've had up. By truth incarnate, our Lord, or the father of lies. Truth or lies. We've heard it other ways. Light, our Lord is the light. St. John the Evangelist tells us that. And Satan is the father of darkness. So light and darkness. Those standards, those two standards. We have so many good ways of expressing the differences. But at the end of the day, there's only two. There's not a third standard. There's not a fourth option. You're either in or out. The sheep or the goats. Now, some time ago, and and I I, even, I look back at that post and I'm like, man, it's just too long. I got to do something to, to get this better. Father Harden was working on this idea and and maybe this isn't the best name for it, but he was talking about in the wake of modern Catholic education and in the, the hopes of John Dewey. Now, John Dewey himself had written that he wanted to, re, to, to, to destroy traditional religious practice. He did it. People today, when they talk about religion, they think it, it's just something that people sincerely feel. In the past, religion has been tied to Worshiping God as God revealed Himself. So you could say that has something to do with Moses being on the mountain and receiving the commandments. You could say it has to do with our Lord. It has to do with apostolic tradition, like making the sign of the cross. The apostles taught us to do that. Don't listen to Mark Shea, or at least what he said years ago. Those things are practices of worship that were given to us by God. You don't want to talk about that today. You know, religion's all this other stuff. We know better. That's the good news we have. Like Pius X tells us, we should be saying these things publicly. Now, these two standards. I think the way we can break down people today with Father Hardin's pagan idea His concept was that, thanks to Dewey and American education, people have been taught that God is an idea. And from that notion, that they are gods, and they should worship themselves. It's nothing that pagans at least still see their own inabilities and that's what makes them worship a sun. That's what makes them worship the tree. It's what makes them worship other things because they realize there's something outside of them has to have more power than they do because they don't have the power to do things. The neo-pagan that father Hardin was bringing up, but we can, let's call him the modern man for a minute. The modern man has been taught that he can do anything if he just thinks it. They say some give the criticism that that's the gift of America to the world is positive thinking. I'm not sure it began with us, but I think that certainly, the popular idea of it came from here. And if you look at all the self-help books or a lot of the uh, inspirational things that are out there today, you can say that we're the thought leader in that. But it, a long time ago in a radio interview, talking with somebody and I said, I think one of the problems we have with people today, even a number of Catholics is they God is a nice idea that they keep in a shoebox in the closet with some of their other keepsakes. And when they need help, they go run to the closet and pull God out. Compare that to, I'm thinking most listeners to this are of the mind, that they know God is a person. Just like me, I'm talking to you and you know I'm a person. And if you were sitting at the table with me, you would see me moving and you would think, oh, there's John. And I would see you, and I'd say, there's a person. Father Harden, when he would talk about prayer, he would say, it's nothing more than the same conversation, but with an invisible person. I think that the modern man thinks God's nothing more than an idea, a concept, an energy, a force. You've heard people say, oh, I'm spiritual, not religious. I think because religion to them has been this idea of do we? That is just a sincere thought or belief? Well, that could be anything because it sounds like an emotion at that point. And we all know how fickle emotions are. So I can't blame modern men for kind of pushing religion to the side because nobody's taught them any better. We'll get into it in a moment when we talk about this church in Las Vegas, what I mean by that. You, and I know, I know. There is a couple of people that have to be listening or shaking their head, like, yeah, I, I know this. I know this." Nobody's taught that, and I can't blame somebody for saying, "Well, you know, if it's just a sincere feeling, if it's just an emotion, I know I it's something more than that." And so, why do people say, "Well, I am spiritual"? Now, that's a double-edged sword because a lot of people that say that are just looking to define their own morality. They still know they want to be good. They know they're supposed to be answerable to some kind, something that's good. But in their minds, it's, they want to define what that is. So this, I think that's a fair statement. Now let's get into a little bit what that means. If you have one camp that believes that God's just an idea, that means that they're not answerable to a person as if they were sitting across the table. Ideas can be made. And that's where Father Hardin was saying that this, this new religion, this neo-paganism, we have to come up with a better name for that, is something taught. It's not something that you naturally come to. And you look at advertising, you look at this positive thinking stuff, and you see while well, people are, are taught to believe, you can do it. Just think it. It'll come about. You can realize your goals by uh, visualizing them. But It's a lot more subtle than that. I think a lot of people that claim to be religious have this problem too. I think it's very, 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 it's everywhere. This problem I think is, is throughout. Even you can meet, let me give you an example. You ever met one of those people, um, they hold themselves in a way that they think conveys piety and, uh, they, they're kind of smarmy kind of people. And I know you've met somebody like that before, where if they get into something that should be a good, reasonable discussion, uh, or a debate, or maybe it's worth arguing. I mean, you know, isn't that Chesterton that says that uh, the great thing about Catholics is all we agree on is the creed and everything else is up for debate. This kind of person will say, well, I will pray that you will do God's will. Think about that for a minute. I'll pray that you do God's will. Why? Because you disagree with them. And so creating reality, making God in the world of ideas requires you to then conform to what they think is right. And so how do they express this error? Well, I pray that you do God's will. They're saying, I'll pray that you do what I want. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that anytime anybody says, well, I'll pray that you find God's will, or I'll pray that we do God's will, or it's not to get on the idea of God's will. I, I think, I hope I give a good enough example here where you know that kind of person. I think most people have run into somebody like that. They use the words of religion, but the way they're using them are different than, and if you dig and you scratch a little bit, you start to realize God's not a person to them. They don't realize that while we're arguing, a third person is there to whom both of us should be talking. His name's Jesus. He's real. We know of him. We can see him in the Eucharist. He was here on earth, and we're told of him by the apostles and the apostolic tradition. That's our job. That's what Pius X is telling us. That guy's real. He's not an idea. So that's, the. I think, where the separation comes. We, should, we need to work on these ideas a little bit more over time. I think that Father Hardin's idea is great. I think it answers a lot of things. But even when I put that thing up about neopaganism, you know, it was funny because I got comments from pagans themselves that are like, this isn't what a paganism is. Hmm. They're talking about the resurgence of druids and other pagan ritualists that are out there. And I kind of get where they're coming from. It's kind of like how, Everything else is neo, the new theology, the new this, the new age, the new everything else. There's got to be a better. They're not self idolaters, although that kind of describes some of it. They're not merely narcissists because a narcissist can be a narcissist but still worship something besides themselves. They're just obsessed with themselves. This is something bigger. This is where they think themselves to be God. So it needs a better. Needs need a better title there. But that brings me around, and I hope that Darren's still listening. Wrapped a whole bunch of ideas in there. And one of them was the solar cult idea. Well, the solar cults believed that people could create a, a, could self-divinize. Kind of strange. After we just talked about, and here we're talking about cults that believe that, you know, you could make yourself into a god. We, we recognize right off the bat that's the, the angel with the sword, the flaming sword, was to prevent man from getting back into the Garden of Eden. And what was the error in the Garden of Eden? Wasn't that the serpent? There's that serpent again. The Aztecs worshipped and these other solar cults had told Eve, You will be like gods. Even the serpent, for as much lying as he was, he couldn't say, you will be gods. He said, you will be like gods. Uh, so th- you can see the advancement of the errors. People today think they can be. These cults through history have taught people that they can be. You know, and when I talk about the uh, this going back in time, when we talk about the Egyptians, you know, recall for a minute that the priests around Pharaoh could mimic the miracles that uh, Moses was doing, up to a certain point. So we're we're talking about the real battle here. We're talking about the difference between the two standards. We're talking about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of hell, and that's what Our Lady was trying to say. I'm more I'm more powerful than that. Out of Russia. It's so the connection to Fatima. We see how uh, Madame Blavatsky, Helena Blavatsky, start this. Well, She's credited as starting the Theosophical Society. Theosophical Society, Lorraine Connor, who was a board member of the Wander Reform Foundation for years, had gotten way into the United Nations and the connections to the occult world and a number of things that were going on. I wrote and extended some of what she did comparing her stuff to the work that was written much later by Constance Cumby on the hidden dangers of the rainbow. Darren, you get into Alice Bailey and the Lucifer trust and all these connections that come around to the United nations, the purpose of the United nations and Alice Bailey in a number of her writings had spoken about what she called the externalization of the hierarchy by which she meant the day that would come along that the her word secret chiefs this was something that Bovatsky talked about too the secret chiefs in charge of theosophy could be shown to the world without getting way into the woods on this I'm going to give you a couple of features here we already know who the secret chiefs are and even Russia had figured it out in the post I gave on the heirs of Russia where the anathemas that were given in their services during Unorthodox Sunday, which occurs during the Great Lent. They they condemn the theosophists, sorcerers, and Freemasonry, and others who seek to channel demons. We know this stuff. You read Leo XIII on Humani Generis. You listen to Pius X. We know that the people engaged in the other standard that's where they're. That's what they're seeking to do. Father Harden went so far as says, and I think he was right. People who are in mortal sin are agents of the devil. At some point, people seeking power or going with their avarice or that are going along with the lies of the devils are looking to bring them into the world, because the devils wish to be here too. I mean, Our to... When you, all you have to do is a few Sundays ago in the Roman calendar, it was a, uh, the Sunday reading had to do with the man at the gatherings, the possessed man. And that's what the, the, the demons and the swine himself begged our Lord. No, don't send us back yet. Put us in those swine instead. That feeling from those demons, they would work to do things. And I think they found it. They found their cooperation through Blavatsky and through this theosophy and that was born out of Russia and got enough traction to become a world power. That's a thought for Darren and heirs of Russia and Fatima, and we'll get into more of that as we go along. One of the things Bailey talks about is the creation and and Blavatsky talks about this too. The creation of the Rainbow Bridge. Now, the Rainbow Bridge by New Agers is likened and made uh, it's kind of strange, but Tilhard de the heretical theologian, he was a Jesuit, writes about the spiral tower. The spiral tower and the rainbow bridge are the same thing. In Des Chardins' world. The spiral tower is that which we evolve along until we all become connected in this concept he called the new sphere. Alice Bailey described it as people focusing their energies up to the hierarchy, the demons, and then receiving energy back. So there's this concept of stuff up and coming back down. In the post I did about the Las Vegas church, you're going to see there's a mosaic in the front of the UN meditation room. Now, with all the other stuff we've talked about before, just take it take my word for it for the moment without all my descriptions. that The, the mosaic is intended to be painted, and it's a representation of Lucifer. <clears throat> You'll notice in the middle of it, one of the few things that you really notice besides the black half-circle, is this vertical line in a spiral that goes around it. Descriptions of that mosaic by people of the cult say that that is the spiral tower. That is the method, the person seeking to be possessed and the energy coming back to possess them. That is what they seek. That is what Bailey called Uh, the person who wishes to become an adept in the the new world order, in the golden age, in the, uh, the time that's come, they are supposed to create this rainbow bridge with the hierarchy and walk out of themselves and allow the hierarchy to walk into them. It's not theologically precise language, but you understand that they're saying they must become possessed. Would you expect anything different from people following the other standard? If we who follow our Lord wish to become possessed of his grace and accept his gifts and have him dwell in our hearts, the other side seeks to do the same. And that is, after all, their goal, just like I mentioned from the, the, the swine at the gatherings and other things, the demons wish to be active again in the world. And these people who worship them seek to make that happen. I bring up that mosaic and I bring up the, the church because one of the things when I mentioned this church in Las Vegas, $12 million, and it just struck me. I'm going to describe when you when you look at the rend, the rendering of the church that's going to be there, you see this Father Zilsdorf had called it a Gene Roddenberry church. I, I saw other comments where people said it looks like something from the Jetsons because it's this kind of church in the round feeling. And behind where the altar is, you see this like white pillow quilted stuff. And I'm going to mention this. I don't know, it's not very strong, but I just thought that that quilted pattern and this white wall behind where the priest is, has these spirals that descend. And when I saw that, I thought of that spiral that Deschardins talked about, the spiral tower. And in the occult world, they talk about the spiral tower being the Tower of Babel, where they were going to reach the heights of God. And in Alice Bailey's world, that spiral tower, that rainbow bridge, is how they reach the hierarchy in the next world and receive power back. In the center, right behind where the priest is, is a large black stone. Looked to me like the the monolith from a uh, space odyssey. Kubrick, Kubrick was a, a an occult apologist. Let's call him that. Number of his films are studied by. New Agers that are out there, and they look for the symbolism that are in it, and they do the work, the the hard-born work of explaining what Kubrick meant with a number of these things. For our purposes, we can use it as illustrative of what those people believe so that we can understand if somebody's making this, what are they saying to us? The monolith was, in all all these things, uh, because it's black, their world, they're supposed to step out of darkness into light. And you have to realize they use words that we use, but they don't mean what we mean with them. In their world, to be enlightened is to be in connection with their hierarchy. In other words, be possessed by a demon. So early somebody's already sitting there saying, wait, you're talking about Catholic Church and you're bringing these concepts in. If you saw this picture, when you look at older churches, when you look at churches that have been in the apostolic tradition, There are forms and figures that immediately let you know that the person, the focus of the church is on a person. That person is our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't even matter. Let's talk about Orthodox churches for a minute. When you go in there, you see our Lord harrowing Hades and rescuing people from death. You go into Eastern churches on the doors, the royal doors, when you're probably familiar with the idea of the conostasis. the church is separated in the Roman church. This separation was done with the altar rail and in the past behind the altar rail was always elevated from where we were the people. It's the same in the Eastern churches where the conostasis separates us from the holy place. There's a step, a step up. On the doors in the middle of the church, where those are called the royal doors, there's always an image of Our Lady and Gabriel, the Annunciation. Why? Because that changed all of history. God became man. In Roman churches, we have a history of patronage. So we have saints that are patrons of churches, but... At least up and until the last century, those churches we built, you would see a crucifix. In other words, you would see immediately who we worship. You would see our Lord. In the shape of the church, even, made as a crucifix. There were some churches that were built with different shapes, but they weren't. They didn't militate against the purpose of the place to be there to worship our Lord a person. When you look at the shape of this church, you realize those traditions, that understanding did not animate the creation of the space. It's round. Roundness is kind of like an inclusiveness. You can't find solid lines that point you in a direction that lead you to something. And your eyes, you have all these light colors, but your eyes are immediately brought to this dark thing in the middle. And in front of that, they have some tapestry. They call it the mountain. And what I thought was kind of strange is you look at the Holy Spirit and they're, they're trying to show some emanation, but it looks like the sun. As a matter of fact, it looks like the sun rising between the peaks of two mountains. Common occult theme. I'm not saying that that's just as weak as those spirals, but when I looked at it, I was disturbed. I thought, these. Things that are speaking to me don't sound Catholic. The symbols I'm seeing, the forms I'm seeing. Why is it I can go to all these other places that believe the sacraments, whether they have been built in the East or the West, and the forms and the shapes and the the art that's there tells me, hey, there's a guy who became, it's God who became this guy. He rose from the dead and we worship him. Or he he suffered for you, willingly took on the cross and rose from the dead to save you because you can't save yourself. That's the difference between somebody who believes God's an idea is they're looking for a way to save themselves. In other words, if they're looking for something they can't have, isn't that the beginning of fraud there? Aren't they ripe to be taken by the devil? Our Lord gives us an open promise. He says, believe me and follow me and take up your cross and you will have eternal life. He's a guy. It's the guy we're going to see after we die. It's not, we're not going to meet an idea on the other side of death. It won't be like the last scene of the space odyssey where we go on a star trip through the monolith and find out if we made it to the light. That's not what's going to happen. We, you know, Fulton Sheen would talk about when we wake up from the slumber of death, we'll either see the face of our Lord or the miserific face of uh, the devil. In other words, you're going to see a person there. We know it. God made creation. Who is it? Who do we talk to? You and me are people. and We're talking to each other. The apostles were people just like us, and they talked to our Lord. Our God condescended to become a man, to show us he's what likeness of him he made us in. He's a person. And when you look at that church, you look at those images on that post, it's interesting to me. The painter who made that church painted the, the, the mosaics in the, I like to call it the Raj Mahal, Roger Mahoney's Cathedral in Los Angeles. Somebody else who was telling me, oh, you know, are you sure you're not just making stretching these symbols too much. When I told them who did the paintings, they said, oh, and that was enough for them. But if you aren't disturbed, I put, I've put i never heard of the Stations of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you have either. If you have, put it in the comments. its It was new to me. But they're going to have these eight Stations of the Holy Spirit, as they're calling it, in this church. And you look at this image of so-called Pentecost, and there's people coming out of the darkness with the flames. And you get the impression only by looking at them that this is probably the apostles and the Blessed Mother. But I'm going to tell you what, when you look at them, only because I realized they told me what it was. If I saw that picture on its own, I wouldn't think that's them. Uh, and it was it's a rather disturbing photo. I think the only, you know the looks on their faces, the way the people are depicted and things like that. It's, it, it doesn't strike me as Catholic, Half of them have their eyes shut and they have this like strange, you know, I wish I had landed on with me only landed and I will talk about it, but they, they look like they're taking forms of prayer, like product, some Protestant sects get into if that at all, they actually really look to me like Buddhist meditation. They have their eyes shut and they're like looking and stuff. And that's, you ever notice that with Buddhist stuff? And they show the Buddha they show people, their eyes are shut. They're not looking at the world. They're not. They're somewhere else. They're back in their mind, searching ideas. They're, they're connecting to the energies. Catholic saints, their eyes are wild and open. They're looking around. They're looking at each other. When you look at, you know, some of those, you look at icons or you look at, at statues of, uh, of saints, you, it doesn't take much for your mind to connect to the person that that represents. And you see a wild life. You see it. They, they, they didn't become holy by, you know, shutting themselves down. You know, where there is like the grace of God made them live even more vividly, more wildly. And so that, that, these psalmambulant people in this image that are coming out of the darkness with these tongues, they just don't strike me as the representation of holiness that we look to as Catholics, that we see in the saints, that we see in our Lord, that we see in our Lady. And so there they do have images of people, but they don't look, they're not looking up to anything. They don't look like who we, who we as Catholics know to be saints. They don't look like they're experiencing the same thing that saints that I admire, that I see in other places, go through. We should talk more about that church later. There's a lot of other interesting things on it. Go check that post out. I want to bring up one more thing. We're going to talk about these two standards in this theory. The concept that God's just an idea versus a person. Do you find it strange to The Father General Sosa recently said, oh, the devil is just a mental construct of modern man. Some people answering that, I wish I could think of where those posts were, they said, you know, it's an old maxim that if there's no devil, there's no Lord. You know, we needed to be redeemed from something. And our Lord came to redeem us. But I think that that maxim works the other way, and that's what makes this little idea separating the sheep from the goats today make sense. If you're saying that the devil is just a mental construct of modern man, then you're admitting that God is too. No, my friends, we know. You're listening to this because you know. I know. Our Lord isn't just a mental idea. He's not an abstract image in our, in our minds. He's not a figment of anybody's imagination. A very real man walked in Bethlehem and died on that cross for us and comes to us at every Mass. He's real. He has his own thoughts. He has his own heart with which he loves each of us. He's not just an idea. Some concept, energy that we have to connect to. Subsequently, Father Sosa's spokesman said, no, he believes in everything the church teaches. And uh, I think I could say it politely, backtracked from that statement. I think it was very telling, though. Telling because Jesuits know the two standards. And here we see an expression of the two standards. Is God just an idea or a person? And to say that the devil, maybe you disagree with me. I think, and I think if you're going to say the devil is just an idea, then you have to say God's just an idea too. Pray for Father Sosa. Like Pius X said, we have to call out these things though. We have to say it publicly. People disagreed with what he said. That was good. But I hope you see now, there's a little bit more just under the surface of these things. They mean a little bit. These expressions, if God's just an idea, what does it mean? Well, we see it in church architecture. We see it in what they're teaching us. Quite some time ago, I put a post up. It was a good while ago, back when uh, you remember leading up to um, Amoris Letizia. Cardinal Casper, I think it was, over in Germany, had said to everybody, this life is just too tough. We, we, we can't teach this to people. I thought, for heaven's sake, here's a cardinal that doesn't believe in grace. Sorry, what our Lord promised us. Yeah, I want you to be perfect like your heavenly father is. And I'll give you what you need to do. We call that grace. Grace supplies what we need, despite our human imperfections. We can be perfect through grace. We can be perfect with our Lord's help. That's the whole point of being reconfigured in baptism so that you can receive supernatural grace. That's the whole point of receiving our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity in the blessed sacrament. When you make communion, that's what you're receiving. Our Lord is perfect. He wants to give us what we need to be perfect. We can't think ourselves into it. We can't meditate ourselves into it. We can't Go through some self-divinization of apotheosis and step out of the monolith to become transformed. Like the Holy Spirit Church in Las Vegas might have us believe through its design. (coughs) Or as Stanley Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke would have us believe in the Space Odyssey. No. Or even Teilhard de Chardin, a Jesuit that maybe Father Sosa has read a little bit too much of. We're not on some spiral path of evolution bringing us to a higher place. No, left to our own devices, we all know where we wind up and it's down. And without our Lord and without his sacrifices, we couldn't be pulled up. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for giving us his blessed mother who helps us get pulled up. I'm going to talk one more time You've heard of Marty Haugen and these other guys and these awful hymns and stuff that go on. One do we never talk about? His name is Omer Westendorf. He he he's from Cincinnati. I guess I always kinda wondered when I was a kid because I was bothered by it by as a kid. Omer Westendorf in his obituary in Cincinnati was I'm gonna read from it. He died back in 1997. He'd been stationed in World War II and he took leave for a while and he was fascinated by these Dutch churches that had modern hymns. And he decided he was going to bring these hymns back to America. And he set up the first English, uh, it's called the People's Liturgy Hymnal, or the People's Hymnal. Comrade, do you hear that? The People's Hymnal. Not God's Hymnal, not the Church's Hymnal, the People's Hymnal. Westendorf, as you know, or may not know, you may not connect him to a number of the things. He had been commissioned in 1975 to write what I think is probably one of the most subtly modernist, awful hymns that you've heard before, Gift the Finest Wheat. And I call it like the serpent's promise in the Garden of Eden, You can't pin it down. It's just like those symbols in the Las Vegas church. It can cut either way. And if you criticize it too hard, you might be called clerical retrograde intolerant, or any of the other names they've come up with since then that Pius X told us they would call us. Is our Lord just giving us wheat in the blessed sacrament? And yet, our bishops commissioned this song, and you will still hear it, 41 years later, grinding away belief in the real presence every time it's sung. You call these things wheat. Yes, the valid matter is made from wheat. But no... By the power of God and the sacraments he gave us, when you receive it on your tongue, it's no longer wheat, but the body of our, and blood of our Lord. But yet, Westendorf gave us other things as well, a number of his other hymns. Shockingly, you'll find them devoid of proclamations of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He might mention the Christ here and there, but then again, the New Agers are looking for the return of uh, the Christ. They call him Maitreya. It's not the Christ we're looking for. It's not the Jesus Christ, it's our Lord. Westendorf was heralded uh, by other priests in the Reverend Clarence Rivers, the pastor of a Cincinnati church, at the time that, uh, of his death was quoted in his obituary of Omer Westendorf as to say, just to sing English hymns at a Latin mass was a revolution in itself. He's worked in uh, incorporating African-American influences in church music. He goes on to say, Omer may be said to be the one man who, although unacknowledged, laid the basis for the restoration of the liturgy in English in terms of music. So I know there's a society against Marty uh, Haugen and these other ones that are out there, and David Haas and the others, and I think we need to focus on Westendorf. He's the one that created the world, uh, uh, WLP. They're the ones that publish a bunch of this stuff. That was bought in 1971 by, uh, uh, Baruch, or I forget the name of the company that bought them. But yeah, right there in Cincinnati, these things came out and were spread. Uh, Palook, Palook's the name of it, of Chicago, bought his WLP, but it stayed in Cincinnati for years after. They're the ones that have been pushing all these banal hymns to take these sacred concepts and turn them into mere ideas. Do you see what I'm saying now about these two standards? Is God a person, a person who incarnated into a man so that he could show us he was a person, a real, living, breathing, thinking person with their own thoughts, hearts, and emotions, and love? St. Basil calls him the lover of mankind. Or is he an idea, a light, an abstract concept that we evolve into? Wheat. Wheat's a thing. Who cares about wheat? Do you care about wheat? You care about a person, though. Fulton Sheen was great at pointing that out. Nobody ever sped on the interstate on the way home, pulled into the garage, and bent over the steering wheel and made an act of contrition and sorrow for having broken the law. But somebody who's hurting somebody else's feelings who feel sorrow for the rest of their life that's the difference between a God who's an idea speed limit sign and a God who's a person that loves us our churches used to tell us that there was a God who loved us that we worship I'm really sad about this one in Las Vegas that 12 million dollars think of the church that could be built for 12 million dollars that could tell its parishioners The Holy Spirit is a person of God that loves them. And there's three persons in God. And God the Father sent His Son. And His Son willingly accepted death on a cross to save us. From a person who hates us. Who would seek to make God an idea. There's two standards today. Let's be on the right one. Let's proclaim it publicly as Pius X told us. Which side are you on? Is God a person who loves us? Have you told others about him? Or is he just an idea that transforms us in our evolutionary path into the omega point? Like Darsha Chardin said, who apparently has infected Father Sosa, the Jesuits. Pray for them, pray for them in the church, pray your rosary daily. Today's episode was brought to you by an anonymous donor who asked us to pray rosary, or pray our Rosary daily. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's go out with the prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, well, no, I say the he said. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was unknown. Anyone who fled to Thy protection, sought thy intercession, was left derelict. Inspired by His confidence, I fly unto Thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To Thee do I come, before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my poor words, but in Thy mercy hear and answer them. Amen. Maybe in the next episode I'll tell you why I say words instead of petitions. Latin says words. Saint Pius X, pray for us. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for Queen of Heaven and our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. Thank you for listening today. Hope I've inspired you, picked you up a little bit, given you a little bit of uh, something to think about and chew on. that These little modernist churches that we see in Am Church are teaching us something. They're not just banal, whitewashed spaces. I'd like to remind you that you've been listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast. This is episode four with John B. Manos, talking on the two standards today. I'm your show host, John B. Manos. Production Productionist episode we mentioned earlier was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asked you to say a rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production and podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website, bellarmineforum.org or call us. Numbers number is listed on the bottom of the website. Please support the Bellerman Forum. God willing, uh, we'll be here another 53 years. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your reviews, comments, and any feedback that you have. You can use that same contact form to say, hey, John, speak up, or hey, John, I like this, or I would love it if you talk about this. Drop me a note using the contact form or in the comments on the uh, blog post. But please do visit, uh, we're on Stitcher. And we're in uh, iTunes. And either of those places can take reviews. Please leave me a review. Let me know. Hundreds of you, you hundreds of unique listeners have already been there. Um, I'd like to hear from you. And I know you liked it because you listened to more than one episode. Just a reminder, everybody, the podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith, and I might say bold proclaimer of God, the lover of mankind, without all the progressive modernist confusion, and might we all say without all the occult confusion too, given today's episode. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge living and the dead. Our executive director not only made all things visible and invisible, but also split the Red Sea in twain and was known for his sound defeat of Og King of Bashan. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a non-profit public charity and all donations are tax-deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2017 to the greater glory of God and the honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen.